Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Lion's Guide podcast, where we take on topics in performance and personal growth by exploring success stories and lessons learned, interview expert guests, and review books and other resources to help us establish clarity, build courage, and lead. I'm your host, Dale Walls, founder of Lion's Guide and your certified high-performance coach. On this episode, I've got Mr. Tom Amenta, and Tom is a former member of the 75th Ranger Regiment and a serial entrepreneur. He's actually one of the founders of of, uh, Ranger Up, which was, if you don't know, a, a pioneer in the veteran lifestyle apparel category. And and he also helped produce uh, Range 15, which was the first fully veteran Hollywood movie. Um, he's a passionate advocate for veteran entrepreneurship and assisting veter- veterans in transition as a way to continue to serve the community. He is currently the chief development officer of United Valor and author of their first project, uh, The 20-Year War, which is a coffee table portrait book chronicling 71 unique veteran experiences over the course of the global war on terror. Uh, and today, you know, military veterans are often considered high performers, especially amongst their peers. And, um, you know, in this episode, you know, Tom and I discuss the habits and the disciplines that give veterans that that performance advantage, you know, really. So you might learn some insights to up your own game. So if you like the sound of that, before we get started, hit that subscribe button now so you don't miss any of our other great guests and content. And, you know, as always, this podcast is sponsored by Lions Guide. And if you've been tuning in and getting value from the show, please support the podcast by going out to lionsguide.com and subscribing to our email list, become a member, or even apply for some one-on-one coaching with myself, Dale Walls, your certified high-performance coach. And aside from our services, we've got other cool Lions Guide gear out there as well. So check that out. Show, show off your pride, uh, living a life of courage, clarity, and leadership. With that all said, let's start the show. <laughs> All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of the Lions Guy Podcast. And today I've got Tom Amenta on. And uh, this this podcast just kind of came out of nowhere because, you know, we're chopping it up about we, we just got hooked up by Mike Burke with the um, Always in Pursuit podcast. And um, and he hooked us up and then you and I hooked up. And we were talking. Yeah. We fell into this topic of veterans and what makes them have a, a competitive advantage and performance and in the workplace mm-hmm. and, and all that stuff. So we, we kind of like, Hey, Hey, time out. Let's stop. Let's take this, let's take this live, you know? So, yeah. so we're here, Tom, tell everybody about yourself and where you come from. So, well, well, first of all, Dale, thanks for having me. And yeah, it was really funny how like we're chopping it up. So we look at each other like, Hmm, this might work. But, uh, <laughs> you know, like you said, my name is Tom Momenta. Um, I'm a former member of the 75th Ranger Regiment. I was at second Ranger Battalion, which is where Mike and I met. He was in second platoon. I was in first. Um, and then after that, I went to college, uh, University of Illinois, um, got out from there and helped start the lifestyle apparel company, Ranger Up, sort of the first lifestyle apparel company really in that space, sort of helped pioneer that. It was kind of an interesting uh, time in my life. Left there uh, right at the start of 2016, did some safety and security stuff, uh, decided I didn't really like that for, for that version. Uh, took a break, actually had the opportunity to sell my stake in Ranger Up, went all the way around the world uh, with nothing but a backpack for about five months, came back, uh, was at Google for a little bit. Now I am uh, back in a safety and security, but as the director of marketing this time, not trying to you know do the business development and explain to schools what they need to do, which 
I promise you, is a much, much nicer gig. And, uh, you know, in the middle of that, I also have been a serial entrepreneur, um, you know, really on some levels my entire life. So uh, I also have a content creation company that I'm co-partnered with called United Valor. We just released a book called The 20-Year War, which um, is just chronicling veterans and their uh, experiences um, from the time they enlisted until they transitioned and what they're doing now. So um, sort of a holistic look. It's a portrait book. So you get uh, a really detailed look at them. And uh, those, are the, those are the things that I do. That's sort of the, the short sketch on me, man. Cool. Well, that was it, guys. Great podcast. We'll uh, <laughs> no, uh, yeah, no, but yeah, that's all the stuff I want to hit with you today. But let's right, rewind back to your service. Like, why? How did how did you end up in the army? Like, what what what, what so, got you there? How'd that end up happening? I'm I'm crusty and old as hell. So I enlisted on my on my 18th birthday in 1999. So um, for me, it was knowing that I was not mature enough to go to college and have any ability to actually like do the coursework, right? I, I, I had just enough sense in myself and my great uncle who actually uh, recently passed away, unfortunately, um, had been in Vietnam as a military intelligence officer, but he'd gotten attached to a whole bunch of special ops units, you know, like the green, like the green berets for the other green berets and like all the, the stuff that you heard of in lore. Um, and so I asked my like, uncle Ralph, like, you know, I, I want to do something like worthy. Like, I don't want to just go in. Like, I want to do something awesome. I want to do something kind of like what you did. He goes, well, you know, how do you, you know, what are the things you want to do? I'm like, I want to shoot automatic weapons. I'm going to jump out of airplanes. I'm going to blow stuff up. And he's like, you want to be a ranger. And so <laughs> I enlisted, you know, for, for the ranger option, made it into 75th Ranger Regiment, which is the premier special operations raid force for the army. And, um, you know, that was it. So, you know, uh, the guy that introduced Mike Burke and I, we were all in Germany actually when 9-11 hit, which is wild because, you know, that was nothing like I was like, okay, I'm going to do this for five years. I'm going to go get some college money. And then, you know, suddenly we're, uh, you know, it's like, oh yeah, now it's on. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. and so, you know, that's sort of the continuous global war on terror. We've been doing that for 20 years and, um, that's what got me in. And I, yeah, it was, it was never to, to go fight or some of those things that you've seen over the time. It was just like, Hey man, I need to grow up and I'm the oldest of four and my parents don't have enough money for four kids to go to college. So, you know, let me be the good eldest son and, you know, sort of do my thing. And, you know, that's, that's where it started. Right. And your parents weren't vets, just, no. uh, your great uncle. Right. My, uh, so my grand, both of my grandfathers, and my great uncle served, then the entire generation after them did not. And then I'm the only person on either side of the family, um, that isn't served with the exception of a second. Co- like I, I'm Italian, like, as you can't even tell from mental stuff, you want to go out to my cousins, like you get far into like the second, third cousin, like it's actually <laughs> in the background, but you know, so I'm always careful. Like, but no, as far as like my immediate family or like that one ring out, I'm the only one. So what, uh, how long did you end up serving? So I was active duty for five years and then I stayed in the national guard cause I got out in 08. And then again, my great uncle was like, listen, Tommy, you know, and he's one of the few people that can still call me that. Um, he's like, if you get out, they're going to hit you with the inactive ready reserve, go to the guard. Like, and he's like, you know, your, your background's great. You could be a great instructor. So I did that for the state of Indiana teaching infantry and combat tactics. Um, and then I actually reenlisted in the guard I was like, all right, I, I can do this. And then when I started Ranger Up, I moved to North Carolina, moved to the North Carolina Guard, taught the same stuff. But instead of, you know, guys getting ready to go overseas and, and some of those students in Indiana, that was a wild time, Dale. Like they were on a plane and actually not just on the plane, but in Kuwait right across over 36 hours after leaving my course. 
you want to talk about pressure and really feel like you better get it right. That on some levels was way more stressful for me than even things I did in the Ranger Regiment because it wasn't about me anymore. It was like, could they pick up what we were teaching them? Could they, and then could they immediately apply it? Um, in North Carolina did that more, but for the OCS. So, you know, officer candidates, it was a lot calmer. That's actually where I met Dan Blakely, who, um, I'm now working with at United Valor. And, um, yeah, so I did that for nine years. So 14 years total between active and guard. And are you out now? Yeah, totally, yeah. totally, totally. We're done with that life, man. <laughs> Great times. Loved them. We good. <laughs> and I guess like, so yeah, it's funny how similar we have in story in that regard. And I guess, you know, Mike, what, what did you expect? Right. So you're, you're talking to your great uncle about what you want to do. How, what did you expect going in? What'd you expect it to be like? Oh, man, I, I, I don't want to be a cliche, but I guess it's just how, like, I kind of expected to be like the movies, you know, um, like, not quite Rambo. Like everyone knows you're not shooting from the hip. Like I'd figure that out, but like sort of like that full metal jacket that like, you know, just sort of insane, um, you know, heartbreak Ridge. Like, you know, I watched all those movies when I was a kid. And then, you know, I also really had this, this thing that it was like, okay, so, you know, I'm going to be told what to do, when to do, how to do it. And, you know, basic training, that's pretty much it. You know, you're going to do DNC, you know, drill and ceremony forever. And then, you know, you're going to do things by the numbers and, um, you know, but once I started getting to the, you know, the, what we call the Ranger indoctrination program now it's called the Ranger assessment and selection phase. Um, it was really way more about how you thought like, yeah, they were going to make you do a whole bunch of pushups and prove that you had the raw materials and the metal to stick through it. But could you figure out land nav problems and could you do it at night? Like, could you really think your way through? And when you got lost, could you problem solve? Um, you know, the questions that they were asking were really designed and especially cause I saw this working staff later after I got hurt it was all designed to test your mental acuity and you got to the unit and I'm a brand new private. I mean, barely, I haven't even been there a week and we're on dry erase boards with our specialists and they're asking us, they've drawn up an entire city, you know, a couple city blocks. Like, how would you take it down? I've, I've been and cleared a room like three times, right? You know, but they're already like, think, think, yeah. think, think your way through the battlefield. You know, we're going to get you how to shoot. You're going to execute battle drills all the time, but it was constantly that. And I never thought for, you know, my wildest imagination, that was how it was going to be. But almost instantaneously, it was like, if you can't problem solve your way through this and find the the simple solution to keep moving and keep problem solving, you are not going to make it in this unit. Yeah. I mean, well, there's definitely that, that never quit at, like, it just, like, there's not an option. Like, and, it, right. and we'll go, we'll go real and raw. Like you quit, you die. Like, you know, there is no, there is no quit. <laughs> like, you know, there is a solution here some way, somehow that, that needs to be found, which I think like talking some of the, you know, veteran advantage stuff, I think that, that, that pers- perseverance and grit, mm-hmm. you know, just, just gets ground into you. Like it becomes yes. like, Hey, this is, this is the way we live. Like we've got to get this done, you know, mission accomplishment. It was something that like, I always remember, and I still teach today. Like there's a reason that, you know, in the Marine Corps, we were caught, taught, you know, the primary and secondary leadership objectives are mission accomplishment, mm-hmm. then troop welfare. Right. Because, right. you know, there is no welfare to troops if you can't accomplish the mission. Right. Yep. You know, the mission, the men and me. It, that's, you know, if you're going to use another one that, you know, I heard that yeah. from a, a former Delta commander, it's, it's always the mission first, then it's the people you're working with. And then finally, you know, um, it's you and, you know, with, with, with a couple of long scale projects, making sure you're not burning yourself out so you can be an effective leader. I, I think that that's some of the nuance, but, um, at its core, you, you've got to do the job. I, I, I take that yeah. with me 
And I've taken that with me everywhere. Um, you know, as an entrepreneur, when I've hired people or when I work with people and, and it's getting a little testy, I'm like, listen, we, we live in these organizations and we are here to add value and solve problems. That is why we have a paycheck. That is why we have been given this, these roles and this responsibility. And I think the military does a, gr- I mean, it's just so fundamental. It's so core to mission accomplishment that if you can't help, can't help complete the mission, they're not using you. I, I mean, right. no. And especially in the unit like the Ranger Regiment where they can look at you and go, hey, you know, thanks for coming out, but uh, you're going to have to go down the road and go somewhere else because you cannot add enough value and solve enough problems inside of this organization. So you need to go find another home, um, sure. you know, which, you know, some military units don't have, but special operations did. And, it, you know, um, you know, and, and it was especially so, you know, the, the guy that introduced us, Mike and I were in an absolutely legendary company for a Bravo company to second range of battalion from about 2000 to 2003. Um, the number of guys that went over to the unit, you know, across the fence, you know, to, to, to Delta, um, you know, all three of the platoon sergeants for the line platoons ended up being command sergeant majors of a ranger battalion. And one of them ended up going to the next level to be the command sergeant major of the ranger regiment. Um, our company commander ended up getting battalion command for first ranger battalion. I mean, our first sergeant went to Grenada and didn't retire for an, he didn't retire until like 2013. Just Duke Durkin's, a, I mean, a literal living legend across decades. I mean, you couldn't, you can't throw a stick. Like it's, it's funny. Like I'm not even in just purely the veteran content creation space. I am not even the most accomplished member from that company. That's either Jericho Denman, who's war office productions, does a whole bunch of like stuff with movies and, um, you know, uh, the outpost with, with Scott Eastwood, he was the military technical advisor for that or John Lovell, who's warrior poet society, right? Like these guys are, you know, and I'm, I'm one of the people who pioneered the category for Christ's sake. And I'm probably the bronze medalist in this, like just insane group of guys. Right. And I, I was actually having this conversation at, at my day job, um, when we were talking about leadership and, you know, cause ultimately a leader has got to be able to set an example. And it's like, at 18, 19, 20, I didn't really understand it. But I look back now at 40 and I go, I, the table stakes of knowing what right looked like for so long and so instantaneously with that group of people was just, un, I mean, unbelievably, it's it's a life lesson you will never, ever be able to learn unless you just happen to be in the right place at the right time, right? Right. Um, truly in a I mean, and I didn't even mention Leroy Petrie was a private with me and we're still very good friends, but and he was awarded the medal of honor. Like this was the group of guys wow. that we were a part of just leadership oozing out of everybody's pores. It was incredible. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, and that's like, you know, that, that kind of cliche, like rising tides lift all boats, man. Like to be surrounded by that type of, you know, drive excellence, like, you know, passion yeah. you know it's just awesome you know you just can't help but you know if nothing else you're going to draft with them like they're enough yeah. suck you up you know oh I, I am the first person to tell you i was at best a mediocre ranger in the company of those guys like i would love to tell you i was star spangled awesome nah i wasn't i was i was middle of the pack but at the same time i'll i'll be in the middle of that pack any day of the week because of where yeah. you know just you learn what right looks like you learn so many lessons in, a, in an organization like that and uh you know, it's one of the things I honestly I carried with me. And to this day, I hate feeling like I'm the smartest guy in the room because I always want to be learning something. And if I start thinking like that, I have to re-remind myself to be more humble and start paying attention and seeing the things in that room that I can learn so I can assess and things like that. Because 
even even if I've got the IQ or the EQ, let's say, it doesn't mean that I'm the you know the person that can handle problem X or problem Y. It just means that you know I might be the architect for something. Sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, so with with that all said, like, what did you what did you learn? Like now looking back on your military career, like, cause it was kind of like, I feel it's just was most things, but sometimes you're looking back and go, ah, this is what I, you weren't, you weren't learning it then. Yeah. But what about like, you look back on it and go, these are some of the things that really I learned while I was in. One of the things, and I, so I'm not an inherently patient person, right? I am. I, that's just the hardest lessons for me um, to learn is patience. And then there was a time in my life um, that empathy was not the easiest thing for me, but look, but when I look back, and I see the patience and the empathy that my leadership gave me as this very uncomfortable, very awkward, you know, kid that grew up in the middle class um, that really didn't have sort of like that warrior spirit necessarily put into him the way that some people that really have to fight and scrape just to get to their enlistment contract, right? Like, um, I, I definitely have a, a, a streak of sort of Charlie Sheen's character in Platoon where there's like, oh, I volunteered. And then I'll look at him like, idiot <laughs> you know what i'm saying like so looking back and seeing and seeing that and seeing um you know how they they recognize something and realize they were gonna have to develop a little more out of me they were gonna have to work with me a little more that it would have been very easy on some levels for them to just cut sling load and be like he's he's too much work um but i am where i'm at because they chose to invest in me and you know, I, I think that the other thing I look at that and I remember is that I worked hard. That was the one thing that even when someone, my leadership didn't feel like I was picking it up quickly enough or they wanted to really get at it, like the, the work ethic was always there. That was never in question. And I think that's ultimately what got the investment. So to me, it's like, are they working hard and are they working with intent? Because that was the other thing. If I see that in somebody, you know, and I think it was what really inspired me to want to be a, an instructor in the National Guard and why I re-enlisted for it is that, if I saw that those things in people, I can get you where you need to go in 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 those places I'm at in my life. My tactical and technical, um, you know, from a bootstrap entrepreneurship phase one to um, you know teaching combat techniques to you know the marketing principles that I use every day, I can I can get that person from the baseline and I can get them up there. But that's what they need, and I, I think that veterans per capita have that ability and have that inside them because of one, that drive to mission accomplishment, but two, you don't, that pressure of not wanting to let your buddies down. And, um, and so if I see that veteran civilian, otherwise I know I can work with that person. And I know that that person has a chance to be truly great because that's the raw material you need. It's not necessarily the, you know, can they run a, you know, Facebook ad set to my target right away? I can teach you how to do that. Um, you know, can they, you know, conduct battle drill one alpha, you know, well, I can teach you how to do that. But what I can't teach you how to do is bite down on your mouth guard and say, I'm not going to quit and work really hard with intention. And I, that's the raw material. And that's the building blocks of, of greatness. In my opinion, it really is. Yeah. I was kind of, I was reading about that in that book, uh, grit. I think it's Amy Duckworth. Angela Duckworth grit. Was it, yeah, Angela, Angela Duckworth. Yeah, I was yeah. reading this. This I've been reading it um, recently, but um, great book, man. And just talking about, you know, I was hitting this morning, the chapter, and, and you kind of reminded me of it is just um, the gr fixed mindset versus the growth mindset, right? Mm -hmm. and, I, and and it was kind of reminding me even in this, it's like, you know, and I, I I was wondering, is it not only can you see the hard work and that, that, that perseverance and the, the hard workingness, but, you know, 
what she was saying is they also have to be open to growth. They got to go, I, I, I'm going to get this as opposed to, I can't do this. You know, this, yeah. this, um, this you know, I mean, it's one of those things where um, one of the thing about the Ranger Regiment, like I said earlier, is it's the premier raid force. Raiders are not behind walls. Okay, they're not in castles. They are not on the defensive. Raiders are the aggressors. They are going out. They are hunting. You know, I mean, we used to say we're going hunting in the middle of the night when we turn our night vision on, right? Um and I think that that mindset, that's also just been so beaten into me. Like I, I've had to learn professionally when to not be as aggressive, right? When to not take the chance where a lot of people like when, you know, when sort of someone needs to in my life that I trust sort of pulls the reins on me. Like I am not the horse that needs to be spurred. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I, and I think that that is, I, I think that that's one of those things, but I think that that is the, when you want to talk about that growth mindset, um, wherever you find it and however you see it, you have got, especially if you want to be an entrepreneur, man, you, you sit still and you are going to die because someone is going to go there. I, you know, when I advise, uh, especially veterans that want to be entrepreneurs and things like that, and they're like, Hey, you know, someone's offering to invest in my first question is, do you need it? Not want it. Show me, show me your, show me your margins, show me your growth trajectory. Show me like, do you need it? Because if the answer is, I really genuinely need the capital infusion in order to continue the business, that is one conversation. But if when you start looking at it, this is just something to make someone more comfortable. I always, always say, don't take it. You don't want to be comfortable. You don't, you get to certainly not in the, certainly not in the beginning, certainly on the face. You want to be as lean and you want to be as hungry and you want to be as aggressive as you possibly can, in my opinion, because, you know, when you get to a more mature business, when you have a track record, you know, suddenly things open up instead of, you know, potentially going to a VC, maybe you go to the bank for the loan, like, cause you want to expand, but that initial sort of, you know, zero, you know, zero to break even profitability or zero to, to sort of, you know, break even plus, you know, reinvestment, you know, that phase, dude, hungry, lean, and always on the razor's edge is what I tell people. And I, that's definitely something I learned in the military is you've always got to be out there. You've always got to be the, you know, pushing harder and harder and harder because no one's going to do it for you. No one cares. And when you're comfortable, you're complacent. Yeah. You know, when you're, when you're comfortable and you're complacent, that's when you start making the avoidable mistake. You're going to make mistakes. I mean, f- yeah. forget business, forget leadership. Just you're, I'm going to walk down the street over the next week and trip over my shoelaces because I'm a moron. Right. Like, and then I'm going to look embarrassed and whatever, like that's a, it's a mistake, right? I should have tied my shoe. It, things like that are going to happen. They're unavoidable, but the mistakes you can't avoid complacency, lackadaisicalness, being un, you know, not preparing to the level that you know that you should, um, one of the things I think that, you know, a veteran with the right mindset, and I know we'll talk about that later, has is they don't do that nearly as much because they know what the cost of being unprepared on the battlefield is, right? Yeah. And that is cataclysmic. That is that is not, um, oh, we didn't get the sale. That is not, oh, well, we're a week late on the deliverable. That's not, and that is someone might die. And if someone yeah. dies because you weren't prepared, that's on you. You know, again, just like there's mistakes in everyday life, naturally, sometimes bad things happen on the battlefield. I know you and I can both relate to that on some levels. But if you were the guy that was unprepared on mission, 
and something bad happened, that's on you. And that is not a burden that anyone ever wants to live with. Like that is a healthy fear of failure. And, you know, you learn that. And I try and instill that in any, you know, in anybody civilian, you know, civilian, military, otherwise like, Hey, do you, are you prepared? Cause if you're not and you fail, that's the one that's going to stick with you. Not that you got in the batter's box yes. and try to hit the bomb that you, that you did not give your best effort and you know it. So get in there and hack for a long ball. Don't try and bunt your way on. Yeah. It's a uh, getting prepared is something that I train on. I've been putting together, um, a course on self-leadership and it's the sixth discipline I put in there, which was get prepared because I just know there's a distinct difference. It just, let alone the catastrophics that could happen of not being prepared, but the lack of efficiency, right? The stress, the the disorganization, mm-hmm. the the poor decision. It's like, uh, you know, so I, I made it a whole part of it because like, I know when I walk into something unprepared versus even if it's five, 10 minutes to kind of decompress where my head was and take five minutes and set my intentions of what I'm about to walk into Mm -hmm. just five minutes of getting my head right. Let alone like personally for me, like, and and I've taken this to extreme. I like, I prepare for my next day before I end my day every day. I Mm -hmm. prepare for my next week before I end my week every week. And same thing with every month, because I've have just seen just like getting that think work done ahead of time. Just dude, I'm flying, dude. It's just, um, getting prepared is, it's just key. It's just a key essential. You know, I think it's funny. And one of the things I find so fascinating about sort of that veteran or that, you know, because you hear, you hear so many cliches that come from the military community, the warrior mindset, right? You know, I mean, even grit, you know, um, you know, and especially being in a special operations unit, like one of the things I find so absurd now is that there's a Navy SEAL that's trying to teach SEAL box breathing. Yogis have been box breathing for 5,000 years. Yeah, where my where guy, they got it from. Yeah. Off, right? But it's, it, and I think that it comes back so much as in, a, in what you're saying is that it's not, it's the preparation and it's the stakes, right? Everyone understands the, that in the military, there is these life and death stakes. And I think that you're seeing so much of the sort of militarization of business buzzwords on some levels because we've been doing this for 20 years. And even if I think that at large, the civilian, especially the business community really doesn't understand veterans. And that's one of the things that at United Valor, we're very committed to trying to change, Um, you know, but like it it keeps seeping in because you have those stakes. One of the other things that I do try and do, and this is sort of the opposite side of that coin is remind people that in your business, those aren't the stakes. You are not going to die as bad as it was at Ranger Up at times in the startup. And there was, you know, one of Nick's favorite stories to tell about our organization. Um, And it was funny because I was with the United Valor guys through um, the uh, Warrior Rising nonprofit and we were doing the pitch competition and the winner was going to get $20,000. We're in the finals, right? The the guys make it to the finals. And, you know, at that point, um, you know, I'm with them too. And my former business partner is the MC of it. And he's like, let me tell you a story about perseverance and dedication. <laughs> and we had grown about 300%, just rocket chip growth. And we needed new screen printers. Well, one guy broke off from one of the main production houses that we had and said, hey, um, I'm start, I'm setting up my own shingle. Um, worked really well with him at that, at that firm. He's like, would you guys be willing to consider giving us some business? I'm like, we need a printer. So we're like, well, yeah, man. You know? um, so we, we gave him some business. And it's the holiday season 
And he's like, yeah, you know, I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. Late, 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 late. We have three days. No, no, no. Two days. I'm sorry. Until we are not going to be able to ship and fulfill orders. And he's like, I can't do it. Oof. What do you mean you can't do it? He's like, I, I don't, I don't have the bandwidth. I don't like, I can't do it. I'm like, here's the, you know, it's like, I can't ship them to you on time. I'm like, okay, I'll see you in 18 hours. He's like, what? I'm like, I will see you in 18 hours. Got in. I mean, literally walked into Nick's office. I'm like, I'm renting a U-Haul. I'm driving from North Carolina to the Midwest. I'm going to go get our, our shirts. He's like, you serious? I'm like, you got a, you got another way that we're going to, we're going to get this done. Like yeah. you got another way. He's like, no, no. I'm like, all right, cool. See ya. Yeah. Literally called U-Haul, grabbed a box truck, get up there. They're still not done. I start running the, like when you screen prints, like they, they do the squeegee and then you put it through a dryer. Well, I don't know how to do the squeegee. I don't know how to do the setups, but any yokel can run the freaking dryer, right? You know, turn it to, I mean, literally turn it to five out of 10, you know, and, and set it and let it cure, right? So these guys are printing. I am running things through the dryer, you know, um, brought someone else up with me to like do the QC and make sure the shirts look good, pack it all up, drive back and just barely make it just in time for everyone else to, to ship everything else out. That is one of those, you know, one of those things people are like, I can't believe you did that. Like business people, like you're nuts. Like you, you know, you should have found it, whatever. That's part of the business commitment and part of like where I think the veteran thing is. But whenever I tell the story about that, I'm like, even that go, that is about the worst it has ever been for me in business. Like where I've had to do, like the Herculean thing, right? Well, here's yeah, the, yeah. here's what happened. When I got home, still went to my bed and fell asleep. Anytime that I wanted to eat, I ate. Anytime I wanted to drink something, I wanted I could drink it. No one was shooting at me. No one was going to die if I failed, right? Now, and that's and that's the line, and that's where I think the sort of militarization and it gets like overcorrected, or you get so many people, you know, like us that try and get into like the coaching or the leadership thing. Where sometimes I got to remind even like my peers, it's like, yo, dude, don't forget that there is a difference in the stakes because the more you heighten something, the more you ramp up the world of warrior mindset, your your average person, even your average entrepreneur, does not have the reps of literally being shot at or literally being around these super high stressful things and doesn't frankly have, if you look at psychology, the operant conditioning to get things from your forebrain to your midbrain where it just goes. That's what a battle drill is at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. instructors like making you not think about this series of simple tasks, right? And there's plenty of business battle drills out there where you just do it. You just know input X requires output Y. And you go, you, you cut the neural pathways and you, and you drive. And, the, and that's one of those things that's operant conditioning. I know conditioning is a dirty word. It, it's what it is. We do that to ourselves and we do that to people every single day. And it's yeah. like, don't confuse. Don't confuse these things. There, there yeah, is yeah. a time where it's like, okay, there is a time where call time out. Sometimes you can't do that on the battlefield, right? You really can't. But sometimes the absolute, but you've also been trained to such a specific very, very specific razor's edge of a very, very specific group of five or six tasks that you draw from that menu and you go, right? If you have someone who has that five or six task menu as a, as a business owner, because they know their business that well, then I mean, then yeah, man, turn the, turn the heat up. Yeah. But the battlefield pause is just as possible, is just as positive. And that's where I think the, the militarization gets a little too crazy where it's like, you know what? 
I could have probably, I could have refunded money. I, I could have tried to find goodwill the other way instead of going the Herculean way. But like, that's the crazy story in business. And it's nowhere near, you know, I still had a million options. We just chose the one that was going to, was going to drive the most happiness for our customer because we felt committed yeah. to that. And I think that that's a level that sort of military warrior veteran ethos, but there's still other options, right? And yeah, and, and recognizing as a vet or recognizing as military, when when to turn the heat up and when to turn it down and realize I am not in combat. I am not in battle. I have an extra breath. I was prepared, right? Again, it goes back to that. I was prepared. I had a plan. It just didn't go the way I wanted it to. So what's next? And you don't always need to make that decision yeah. in five seconds. And I think that that's where vets, frankly, get themselves in trouble or, you know, people that are really military adjacent, they get themselves in trouble to think, oh, I got to go to the next. I got to go to the next. Sometimes yeah, yeah. the best thing you can do is go for a walk around the block and think. A hundred percent. Like that's something I've definitely added to my toolbox in the last 10 years for sure. Because I think you're hitting on something that I had to learn, which was I'm not a hard charging sergeant dealing with Marines who lived 13 weeks of Marine Corps boot camp anymore. Right. I'm dealing with <laughs> folks that, that have a completely different mindset. And I had to learn to cool out um, yep. because there, there, there also comes a, a matter of inefficiency because of, because you're, you're just beating folks down that just, they just aren't capable of that type of pace, that type of pressure, that type mm -hmm. of mindset, like that, the run through walls mindset, we're going to get this stuff done. So I, I appreciate that. I'm glad you brought that up because I'll say, uh, I was talking to someone yesterday for, about this for example, like I hit the point where I would set meetings for 50 minutes, not hours so that I could have 10 minutes in between mm -hmm. to decompress from that meeting yeah. and get prepared to go into the next meeting, not meeting the meeting. Like, right. Hey, yeah. I'm gonna slow down and take take a pause. Mm -hmm. Like you said, catch my breath, decompress from that, get, get those to do's, get that, get that meeting accounted for. Okay. What do I want to get out of this one? Do I got my, you know, and just taking that pause to just, you know, it kind of all comes together here, right? Like yeah. taking that pause to get prepared, mm -hmm. you know, check the mindset because I guess the reason we were talking about it was because, you know, especially when you get out in corporate and if you're in one of these places where it is meeting, you know, meeting mm -hmm. after meeting and stuff like that, you know, the problem is if you don't decompress in between those meetings and you just run hard all day, you go home and one, you're exhausted Two, yep. you're PO'd, you're not present and right. you're just you know it's like you just keep adding to your ruck after every meeting yeah. and and then you you carry all that weight home with you and now you know the wife and kids just don't have you you know because yeah. you're just carrying all that load so taking that pause as often as you can just to okay yeah. figure that out put it away and keep moving well one of the things that i also because you know you were talking about speed and movement and 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 allocation and you know the hard charging thing so i was advising a, a friend of mine who's an officer um, and he's still in the reserves and he was expressing a tremendous amount of frustration for his, for his day job, you know, with, with his team. And he's like, they're just not. And he's, I'm like, I'm like, let me ask you a question. I'm like, if you are, if you're telling me that they can't run at your level, right. And they're trying, I'm like, if you dial it back, I go, if they're at your six, right. And you're at your 10 and you dial it back to your seven. Right. I'm not, don't come all the way to like, people have still got to grow. People have still got to come, have got, still got to come your way. Like let's, let's table stakes that. But you come to your seven and you expect them to come from their six to your seven. I go, how much more effective are you going to be? And at first like, well, yeah, but I'm like, no, 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 no. You're the leader. This is your project. This is your organization. You're telling me 
that this isn't laziness. This isn't even a lack of application. This is a lack of understanding of how to do something. Is that, you know, yeah. and, I, and I think that that is, that is definitely not a veteran exclusive thing. I think that for me as a vet, I had a, I think we have a harder time with that because we're so used to the tribe being so committed, right. And being so, and, mm-hmm. and having that reckon, reckon to recognize that it's not that they're bad people. It's not that they're lazy. It's not even that they're inefficient sometimes, although, you know, well, that's, that's graduate level work. Um, but at the end of the day, I know I run hard, right. I, I am, I'm thankful. I, I work for a guy who's just another serial entrepreneur right now. And, and him and I work really, really well together because we're ready to sprint every single day we walk into the office. Like, um, you know, we're ready to sprint, but there is so much like the rest of the org is just not those people. And, you know, there's times I've got, to, there's times that both of us would be like, Hey man, like it's gotta be an eight today. Can't be a 10. You know, it's gotta be a seven today. It can't, it can't be a nine. And I think that vets have a unique challenge in having to learn that lesson. But I think that that's a universal one because you, you take away sort of those, those ethos is, I used to talk to someone who's super technically competent, super, super intelligent. Like I, I've got one guy who knows that I'm friends with, who knows more about computer science than maybe anyone I've ever met. Like he starts talking and I mean, I worked at Google cloud. I mean, I'm not a total moron and I just glaze over. I'm just like, what? Right. Tell him all the time. I'm like, man, if you can't, I go, if you can't speak five-year-old with it, who's going to care? I mean, you, you and your, you yeah. and your coding buddies. I mean, don't get me wrong. You're doing great stuff, man. I love it. But I don't get it. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a novice, right? I don't understand. Like you've got to be able to speak that language. You've got to be able to realize and assess person's here. I'm here and we're going to get here. And I think that that is one of those leadership lessons that is just in general, really hard, right? Like how, to turn those knobs and I think that's the art of leadership on some levels, right? Is having the recognition, having the humility to do it. And then, on the back end, having the accountability and the sort of the touch to say, hey, look, we made a real assessment. Recognize where you where where this organization was, and we will not lower our standards. You have to perform. But at the same time, I also recognize that my timeline needs to be adjusted. And I now need to communicate, you know, farther down the line to to whatever you know levels that are required and are needed. So that's it's definitely one of those places where I think that you know vets do themselves as much a a service as they do a disservice. But I also think that um, it, you can learn lessons and read about, you know, military leadership and stuff all day long. But I still think that's the hardest thing in leadership is to recognize those things. And because that's where the self-leadership turns into organizational leadership, right? Mm-hmm. And that's always the, that's always the sticky wicket, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's knowing, again, it, it, a couple of things on that. And we learned this this in-service, right? It's just like knowing, knowing your troops and business, know your people, like yep. know what they're capable of so that you can, when you're setting your goals, they, they've got to both be attainable and realistic, right? You know, just like you said, if you're, if you're running at 10, but, but you know, your team is not capable of a 10, like say, you just drop it down. So you, like yep. that, that's, that is leadership. It, that is your job. You know, yep. it's, it's not to just have an expectation and a judgment. It's to get them to meet an attainable expectation, right. you know, and, and, and help them get there, you know? So I, th- I think that's great. I think the other thing you touched on too, that, that I didn't even want to skip over even to your catastrophe in the holiday season. It was also the difference of that mindset, you know, expecting that growth mindset. And it was a difference. Like what I heard you say, like, I can't, I can't, I can't. And your mindset was how, 
how are we going to do this? Like, it's not, I can't do this. It's like, how am I going to do this? Is, is a big, uh, you know, just a big, um, execution, uh, differentiator, right? Just yeah. as much as, yeah, you're right. If you, if you say you can't do this, you can't do this, right? right? If you exactly. take that mental capacity and focus it on, how am I going to get this done and go execute on that? It's going to happen. Yeah. You're going to figure yeah. out what, you know, that those changes right there are so, not only so powerful in my opinion, but they do so much for your organization. It's, I, I really hate cliches. Like they bother me, but it's like the one like take can't out of your, you know, take never out, you know, man, like if, if forget all that, but if you just walk in and I, I always say this, like, so I'm a big, uh, I grew up in Chicago. I'm a big Chicago Cubs fan and I love Theo Epstein. And I love the way he does things, but he always says like, listen, my goal every single day is to always find a way to make something 1% better. And look at the scale of that. And it's like, if all you do, if this is the only thing you take from this podcast is you say, how can I make something 1% better and do that every single day? That is the growth mindset that will, before you know it, you're going to be seeing things in a totally different way in the world. And, you know, that was never explicitly expressed to me in the military. But what was, was you will not fail the mission. You will complete the mission. And, in order to complete the mission, you've got to get creative. You've got to think outside the box. You've got to apply that. How do I make this a little better each time we do it, each time we rehearse it, each time we practice it? And I and I know this is how I grew up, just even as a kid. I know that this is sort of my life goes. That is the one, because we're talking about this, that for me personally is probably my biggest challenge in leadership right now. My biggest frustration is because I don't understand people who don't do that. I, I understand fear. Right. I understand tepidation. I understand concern or that someone does not have my insane risk tolerance. Like I, I scuba dive and I jump out of airplanes for fun. I do Brazilian jiu-jitsu and Muay Thai for fun. Okay. Like, and, I, and I know you're a jits guy too. It's like, I get that my risk tolerance is way out there. And I understand that people are not going to have that. And I'm generally cool with that, but man, when someone's that, that I can't, or I, or even like, or even that I don't see why we should. Oh yeah. It's just like the silent scream, man. It's like, and that's where I've got to really remember, um, to, uh, to keep it clean, to keep it, you know, <laughs> to keep it 100 yeah. as the kids say, cause yeah. <laughs> I'm ready to, that's, that's where the veteran mindset works against you. Cause I'm ready to revert back to a team leader, a team leader, Sergeant Amenta. And he, uh, he was not, he was, he was articulate and he was eloquent in an entirely different gutter sort of way. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Like get put, keeping that monster chained up <laughs> is oh. a struggle. You know, I've, I've, I've done it in, in, you know, and, and look, and it goes back to like, as a leader, you got to know your, your, the power of your influence. So when you yeah. let that monster out, you got to know, like people, some people can't survive that, you know, and mm -hmm. they might not remember what you said, but they'll remember how you made them feel. And that's the beginning of the end. You can lose some good people by letting that, letting that dog off the chain. I did. <laughs> like, at, at Ranger yeah. Up, I absolutely did, man. I, and honestly, what I thought was really interesting is that the next job, the safety security job that I had, um, following that, I, they lost me on some levels because, uh, the guy that was my supervisor at the time would call me on at four forty five every Friday to check in for the end of the week. Just tell me, you don't trust me, bro. Like, I mean, you, yeah. you, you want to talk about bad leadership? Like, just tell me, you don't trust me. 
just tell me that you're going to micromanage me. Just tell me all of that, right? Because we all know what you're doing and you're not checking in at four. You want to, you want to be able to say to your boss that you check the box and, you know, I asked him about it one day. He's like, well, hard days work for a hard day's pay. Hey, the 1950s production line called, they want their working leadership theory back, right? I mean, you know what? Yes. If you're going to be working on an assembly line, time is absolutely a critical factor to your throughput. I got to lean six Sigma black belt, man. Like, let's go have that conversation. But when you're working in sales and you're working primarily with school districts with PS, they're done by four. And the maintenance people are certainly not there unless there's an event past 415 on a Friday. You want me to do what? I already sent you my reports. You told me you had, you know, like, what do you want? And I think that that's the, you know, we, I feel like we've talked a lot about really good leadership and I hate harping on negative because I, I don't think that's helpful. But if you can't, like you said, get to a growth mindset or, or, or rather than and, and push forward rather than that sort of castle of this is the box I need to check. Like, if you don't trust me to do my job, fire me. I, and I mean, and I've said that to, and I, and I've said that to people that I work with. It's like, listen, if you're telling me right now that you don't trust this person, they should not be in your organization. Yeah. And that's a hard conversation to have. And it's not always easy. And maybe that person in a lot of other ways is a super high performer. I get it. I get the risk. But if you're telling me you don't trust them, this is coming, this is coming one way or the other. This is not going to be what you want. You have got yeah. trust is critical. And that's, you know, I mean, just because we keep tying this back to the military, I had my roommate at the beginning when I was in the Rangers. I did not like him and he did not like me. He literally at one point stole my car to go to go hang out with his friends. And I mean, you, you know, this is like you're laughing because it's like the typical barrack stuff. Like this is not an yeah, uncommon yeah. story for people who have not been in the military. Like oh, this you, had, is- you had me at uh, I didn't like my roommate. I'm like, I don't think any of us ever like our yeah. roommates when we walk in that, you know, the 10 yeah. by 10 concrete room. <laughs> right. And but I'll tell you what. I never, I mean, it was, it was pretty apparent, but I never for a moment doubted him. I never did not trust him when his little gun barrel is right here, right behind me as the, as the foreman or on the team, whatever, as we're going through a door. Like I knew that he was going to do everything. He I trusted him implicitly. I literally trusted him with my life, but you know, that didn't stop us from fighting <laughs> literally, yeah. you know, like, yeah. and you know, that's, that's fine. I, I, I just think that that's one of those things where, you know, you have to be able to separate certain things, but if you don't trust people, one, if you don't trust every, everybody in your organization, that's on you, you're failing something. But two, if you just look at this one person and every single time, like, I don't trust him. I don't trust him. Like something in your makeup, something in your determination is telling you something and you need to listen to it. And you either need to have a very hard conversation to reestablish that trust, or you have to have a really hard conversation to separate from that, because that is not, that will, that will create an organization that will harm things. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I've seen really bad leadership of that. I've seen guys like go, they don't trust anyone. So they go Uber big brother and they've got a camera every single wears in, in, in every single place that they could have it. And they just monitor it like a hawk. And it's a, Hey, you were five minutes late on Tuesday. Like in, in the culture there of the team is just like, why am I here? You know, right. like, like you were saying, like, if you don't trust me, what am I doing here? You know? Yeah. Um, and when you take those, those shackles off the team and go, Hey, I trust you're going to do a good job. You know, let me know what you get done or whatever. And just, they have that freedom. You know, and again, if, at least if you're taking that 
that pressure off them. Like, you know, there's this, this, this negative distress that as a leader, you can put on folks and it, it, that too, like this, maybe the big brother thing or the, the micromanagement stuff and all that stuff, like this added pressure is making them inefficient. Like they're mm-hmm. not, they're not serving you well. And, and the worst thing about our psychology and, and especially guys with that ego that they don't trust anyone and no one could do it as good as me. And I get, you know, if I'm not cracking a whip, they're not going to get it mm-hmm. done and all that stuff. Like what I've seen is that mindset. Now they go, try to affirm their thinking. Now they want to prove yep. themselves right. Like, yep, I told you so. I got you. I knew I couldn't yep. trust you. And you know what I mean? It's just like, okay. I, I've been in a place like that and I was just like, man, dude, like, you know, <laughs> just, I don't get it. You know, it's just, just yeah, well, there. and you know, it's one of those things that at the end of the day, the people that stay, they stay for the paycheck. It's, it's totally transactional at that point. And you know, they've done so many studies at this point where when you meet sort of like your viable, you know, hierarchy of needs type stuff, why do people stay? What drives them? What motivates them? And it's very, very rarely the additional cash, right? Like sure. I am, I am an entrepreneur. I am here to make some money. I am here to have a better life, you know, and, and you know, cash coming in certainly helps with that. But you know, once everything's taken care of, it's it's more of where are you going to choose to allocate that energy? Where are you going to choose to allocate that time? How much is it worth? And if all you are to someone in your organization is their paycheck, the minute they think there might be something better, the minute yeah, they're gone. You know, that, that they get a little bit of courage or a little bit of temperature to say, I'm going to go look at something else is the minute they're gone. Oh yeah. And, and by the way, like your competition sniping them every day because they know that <laughs> they know, Hey, Hey Billy, you want, you want to make an extra five grand? As yep. a matter of fact, I don't mind that. No problem. Boom. Gone. Like they have no loyalty. Yep. Uh, these guys don't trust me anyway. Like yep. boom, they're, they're gone. Oh, yeah. Um, they might, they might not be looking for it, but when the opportunity pops, they'll take it in a, yep. in a second. Gone. So gone. the, um, it, then they, they don't think twice about it. And, and nope. you ask for that extra time. Hey, okay, can you give us four weeks instead of two? No. You know, yeah. no. and they don't, they don't feel like they owe you anything you right. know, when you're, when you're that type of leader. Hi everyone, Dale here. I want to take a quick break to invite you to join us at lionsguide.com. Have you ever struggled to show up as your best when you really needed to most? Have you ever stared at your week and you just wondered how the heck am I going to fit all this in? Or worse, have you come to the end of your week and asked, how come you didn't get done what you wanted to? Or maybe have you ever struggled to gain influence at work or home? Or have you felt as if you are a productive person, but you really don't know where you're going or what you want? So the distractions of social media or maybe Netflix take over your day. If any of that sounds like you, I want you to know that you're not alone and invite you to visit us online at lionsguide.com and subscribe to the Lions Guide newsletter or maybe even download some of our free guides to help you on your journey. The time is now to transition to the next level in your performance and personal growth and have some joy in life. Visit lionsguide.com and subscribe today. You owe it to yourself and those most important to you to be the best version of you. Don't lose any more time. Subscribe today. I can't wait to see who you're going to become. And now back to the show. So jumping back into some of the vet stuff, you know, because I think it's important, you know, knowing what you know now, what what would you give it to, you know, maybe the, the seniors in high school or mm-hmm. college kids that are thinking about joining the military? Right. Like, know what you know now, what would, what would you... What advice would you give someone thinking about joining? So I I really believe, you know, one, understand, have a clear sense of the job that you want in the military because you can do almost anything. Like, you know, if you want to be a ranger like like I was, you know, um, 
there's so much information that explains what RASP is. There's so, you know, the, even now, like the 70th Ranger Regiment actually has liaisons at the basic training companies at Fort Benning, where if you didn't enlist with, with a Ranger option, what they call a, a 40 contract, you can still sign up, but then they have people like helping monitor your fitness, helping, you know, there's so many resources out there right now. Um, and that goes for almost any job, like take advantage of those, like prepare, get, like talking about prepare yourself for what you want to do. Because if you don't, then you're putting yourself behind the eight ball. Like I know this is so hard to do and every adult's rolling their eyes, remembering what they were like at 18. And if they have teenagers, like, like oh my God, but like, I, you know, I actually read a lot. Like after I talked to my uncle, my great uncle, I read a lot. I thought a lot about it. Like I felt like I was making a really good adult decision. I think that you need to do that. The second thing is, is that get fit. Okay. Your physical fitness, especially in basic training, whatever you do is going to matter so much is going to be so important, you know, run, lift weights, um, you know, find whatever it is, you know, that's going to be to your job specific. Like if you want to go be a seal, man, you better know how to swim and you better know how to thin and love that water, baby. Yeah. Right. You know, same thing if you want to be in, in Marine, you know, MARSOC or, you know, Marine special ops or, um, you know, even the air force guys, the CCT guys and the PJs, they swim a lot, right? Like you learn how to learn how and learn how to swim in the pair of fins. Um, you know, there's a, you know, just cause it's a, it's a veteran company that, that does some great stuff. You know, softly has some great programs. If you want to do, if you mm-hmm. want to do that, you know, Doug and the guys, I highly recommend that. Like they really, they do a good job and it's all, you know, former special ops guys that, that can get you right. Um, invest in that. Yeah. Um, if you want to go in and you want to be in like cyber command, like one, you bet your fitness needs to be there, but two, you know, make sure that you did the research that you know what it is. Like if you want to be a computer coder, but you know, you want to work in Python and the job that you're going to apply for is going to be all coding C plus plus. Don't sign up for that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like I, I think that, you know, that there are times where, you know, the recruiter pressures you, it's like, know what you want and stand your ground on that. Um, and then understand that you're going to grow up because you're going to have to, because you're going to be a part of a community. Again, like what we talked about where, they are going to make the stakes as high as possible because they have to, right? And if you are not prepared to accept that and you go in like, oh, well, I just want to be a coder in, in Cyber Command. Hey, man, Jessica Lynch was supposed to be just a supply specialist. Her Humvee got put in the wrong spot. And the next thing you know, they're in a gunfight. Yeah. If you're not in a uniform, you could very well be in a gunfight. Yeah, maybe you never leave Fort Meade. Maybe. Maybe you end up you know, in the middle of whatever is going to come down the pipe next on some outpost, because you happen to be the one person who knows how to look at that satellite, right? And someone like who's doing the job that I used to do needs you there in real time. Like you have to understand that you can be a water treatment specialist in the middle of the desert in Africa and something goes sideways and you're in a gunfight. That is part of the military. So, you know, I went in for college money. I went in for adventure, right? I didn't think I was going to go to war. It was 1999 when I enlisted. I, I've got two combat tours and that's nothing compared to, you know, like Mike Burke, our friend who introduced us. Like, I have no idea how many tours Mike has, but it's five, six X me, you know, easy, right? Um, because that's that's what's had to happen, right? Just because they're saying that things are winding down right now. I find it hilarious that the, the current president is like, yeah, we're out of Iraq, but our advisors are still staying advisors like like they have been since 2015 when my former squad leader josh wheeler was was killed in action as as an operator right there's always something going on in the world 
right? And if yeah. it flares up and you're in uniform, your name could very well be called regardless of your job. So understand that that's, that's part of the gig, but you're going to grow up. You're going to learn a tremendous amount. You're going to have a tremendous educational benefit if you choose to use it in the GI Bill. Uh, getting a house is way easier. I promise you through a VA loan, you know, you have that. Um, and you have the opportunity to, to really build relationships and have this fantastic network of, of very like-minded people um, that can really, you know, really benefit you. Like, I mean, that's how you and I like, you know, literally looked at my buddy and like, Hey, you know, Mike, I'd love to do your podcast. I'd love you to come on and do ours. And, you know, also like I'm trying to promote this book and just meet more vets and get out there. Like, who do you know? It's like, ah, oh, you got to meet my, my buddy, you know, Dale, you know, what, three days later, we're like, let's do a podcast. And, you know, here we are. Like, this is what happens in that network, you know, and yeah, it's great for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, and I guess the, the, the other side of that is guys thinking to get out, you know, same thing. What, 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 what should they know before they make that decision, whether to reenlist or so discharge? I would say one, at some point you are getting out, um, whether you make it a career or whether you don't, at some point the tribe is going to move on from you. So I'll leave it at whether you do it on a first term enlistment, kind of like I did. And then, you know, I kept the guard, but still like I was out or at 20 years, you're going to, and I'm a big believer in, I'm a big believer in reading. So the, when I'm talking to guys getting out, there's three books that I highly, highly recommend. Um, two of them you can read literally in a day. You can go back to back and they're super simple. The first one is Sebastian Younger's tribe. He does such a great job of explaining how, um, this, the, the, the pressure of being in the military and that fire that forges you really does put, you know, a very tribal, very tight knit close thing. And you are going to lose that and how that is probably more harmful to your psyche. and makes you more uncomfortable as a human being than these concepts of post-traumatic stress, which are very real and in no way, shape, am I minimalizing, but he does an excellent job of pointing out that even if you've been diagnosed with PTS, right? And even if you're trying to not have that be your disorder, but be your personal, you know, post-traumatic growth mindset, you know, stress growth mindset, as, as you're waging that war internally, there is still this other war that you have to wage in yourself of losing these people that are so critical and core to your identity and have been so for so long because it's such a tight bond. Mm-hmm. He does a great job of just like, and I, there's so much wisdom there. The second one is Ryan Holiday's Ego is the Enemy. Um, my biggest frustration with veterans that are transitioning is thinking that they are so star-spangled special. And it, it makes me want to scream because uh, newsflash, what, if you do it right as a veteran, your competitive advantages outside in the marketplace is that ability to adapt quickly on the fly in a really calm way, your work ethic, which has gotten you everywhere so far, and your ability to work in a team. Those are your three competitive advantages. It is, and guess what? Those are great. You can find those other places. You are not entitled to anything. You signed the most bulletproof contract in United States law. Like they literally teach it as L1 case study for the par excellence of a contract in your enlistment. And if you lived up to the terms of those contract, the government will live up to the terms of it as well. If you want to argue about the VA healthcare system, well, fine, you're that guy and I'm not going to do it. But like everything else, it's a contract. Accept that. You made a choice. You got, you know, you traded your labor and your time and your talent for financial compensation during the length of it and these other benefits on the way out. That's all you're owed. Okay. Society doesn't owe you anything. The government doesn't owe you anything past the terms of that deal. Like that is what it is. And when you leave that contract, when you leave that job, 
and you're going somewhere else, what did you take with you? Focus on that. If you focus on that and you focus on your work ethic and you focus on those abilities, you will get further, farther, faster than your peer group. I, I, I see it every single day when, when guys and girls come in with that growth mindset, like we were talking about, and that I'm just going to outwork you. Yeah, man, you're going to go places quickly. Um, and I think that Ryan's book with Ego is the Enemy does such a great job through Stoic philosophy and Stoic principles of highlighting all of the traps, especially transitioning veterans really fall into, right? Yeah. Because there's three narratives of who veterans are in the modern American workforce. One, we're a ticking time bomb of PTS just lurking around the corner and we're about to go kaboom, which makes people resident, reticent to hire us. Two, we're Captain America at the ball game. We're all the cheers and all the accolades and throw the parade for this guy or girl, right? Um, well, we all know that after you throw the first pitch and your favorite baseball player signed to the ball, they set you in the stands and no one really talks to you again except for the people in your row, right? Like it's its its own fallacy. Your third is now the sort of emerging vet bro of, um, you know, we're so bad and we're so cool, which is all fake, phony nonsense that I can give a TED talk about, which, you know, I won't for the sake of time. But like those are the three narratives. Instead of the hardworking, humble, creative, teamwork capable one, which is the majority of us, whether you get that at the beginning of your transition or you go through some bumps and bruises and you start seeing it and you start realizing it, that is really the hallmark of the successful veteran. I, and I'll pause on the, th- I'll get to the third book in a second, but one of the things that just makes me think about it that always frustrates me with it is. The greatest generation that we always talk about World War II, they weren't the greatest generation because they went over and whooped the Nazis and whooped the Japanese. Certainly helped. They were the greatest generation because they came home, they built small businesses, they became the high school civics teachers, they became the foremen at that manufacturing plant that we were talking about earlier, and they continued to invest in their communities. They didn't stop serving. They just served in another way. They elevated their communities. They elevated their homes. They elevated America by rolling their sleeves up and continuing to work their butts off. That is why they are the greatest generation, not because they picked up a gun and took out the trash. And the opportunity is there for this next generation over the past 20 years to be the next greatest generation. I really believe that. But the other thing that we have to understand as veterans is Less than 1% of the entire American populace has served in the past 20 years. That's just a fact from the VA. And if you think, if you lack that humility, if your ego has gotten in the way where you think that 99.15% of Americans should invest the time, sight unseen, not understanding in you and your struggles and what makes you star-spangled awesome, lady or gentleman, you have missed the boat entirely. It is on you to show the example and set the example for others to follow. It is on you to educate people. It is on you to show and put your best foot forward, not expect anything from those people. And I think that Ryan's book, Ego is the Enemy, does such a great job of showing ego traps and I can't recommend those two enough. The third one, and this is especially for combat vets, this is a much harder book to read. This is not, um, this. those first two, Anyone can. The, the third one, it, it takes some it takes some stick to itness. Um, it's called The Body Keeps Score by Dr. Bessel van der Kolk. And he is a leading expert in um, mental trauma, post-traumatic stress disorder, things like that. He's been studying it since like the Vietnam War. Um, that book is a hard read. 
brother. Like mm-hmm. that is, I, I ugly cried through it a couple of times. At one point I got so upset. I threw, I literally threw the book across the room. I had to actually finish it on audiobook because it was like, there was some triggering stuff in there for me. Um, oh, wow. but what it really does is it shows how mental stress and mental trauma also affects your body and how, yeah, drugs are great, but you know, why box breathing is so important, why yoga can help, why you have to put a holistic approach to your health, right. And not just your mental health. Again, not easy. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things that especially, you know, if you, if you have a therapist, um, and you're, you're working through your own stuff, I would actually encourage you to talk to them before you read it. But if you really want an understanding of what's going on in your body and some of those things that in a combat zone, or when you've you know been not just there, but like, if you've been abused or you've, you've had these things, like how your body internalizes those stressors and how that can like bleed out in your life. Um, it's a really, really powerful one. And I think that it is so worth reading and the work is so worth doing because you start realizing how flawed this post-traumatic stress narrative is around not just veterans. Like it actually really bothers me. Um, you know, there's so many people in this world, you know, my, my ex-wife has PTS, um, and it had nothing to do. She wasn't, she wasn't a vet. Um, you know, like it's just that sort of mental health, that sight unseen thing. And I think that it's, it's well worth the understanding because it, for me, one, it allowed me to be more graceful to myself, which is not always easy on a personal level. But two, I have a lot more empathy when I start recognizing some of the signs of other people struggling and I don't flip over to that yeah. suck it up and drive on narrative. Because again, going back to what we talked about yeah. earlier, yeah. if you're in the middle of a gunfight, there's only one thing and that is through. You will accomplish the mission. You will finish the fight. But when you get back to the fob, you're always talking to your boys. You're always checking in on people. You're all, you know... Like you're not in a gunfight if you're at work, it, it, as long as you're not doing that job. Like business is not a gunfight. Business is not war. Interacting with people is not that. And so to, to see those things, to have that empathy, to know that sometimes maybe the conversation needs to be, have, are you okay? Right. Rather than this deliverable better get done. You know, it's like there are very few deliverables ultimately in this world that have to be done in five minutes, just in business and having that empathy, sure. it certainly helps me be a much better human being, but it's, again, man, it's hard. It is not an easy book to read if you've had any level of, you know, mental or emotional trauma in your life. But certainly those are the three that I always recommend to people. And even if it's only the first two, um, you will, if you embrace the knowledge in those books, you will get a much better and healthier perspective, in my opinion, as you transition out. Yeah, I think that's awesome. I haven't heard of that, but I agree, man. I, I think for me, I'm, I'm not a combat veteran, but I empathize with everything that you just described on the mental aspect of especially loss and, and effects of the combat and things like that. Um, and, and, and even and, and even more so the camaraderie, you know, the brotherhood and the loss of a brother, for example. And what gets me in like a movie now, maybe maybe this is what you meant by the book is like, is that like there was a movie. I don't know what it is. I watched it on random, but Samuel Jackson was in it and others. And it was a, it was a movie about these, these veterans that are out that had a lot of mental health issues after. Mm-hmm. And I had to turn it off. I'm like, now see this shit right here. This is what's going to make me cry. Like I, right. cause I, I, I feel that I, I do empathize with that stuff. I, mm-hmm. I don't know personally, I don't know. I just have an uncanny ability to kind of put myself in their shoes and it hits me, right? you know? So I don't do good with that stuff, you know, (laughs) full disclosure. I, I just don't, uh, I don't do good at funerals and all that. And even if it's someone I don't know, but I just, I, 
I just, I just feel it. I feel what the, the loss, mm-hmm. the, the like, man, and I, I can't contain it. I, I just, it's one of those things. I don't know what it is for me, yeah. but yeah, I, I feel you. You know, we, we were talking before we started about how like, you know, the, 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 the veteran discount and, and how you and I are both kind of like, man, I don't need a discount. I don't need to remind me of, of something, whatever, and how some people really seek it. And there's also, I, I noticed that there's this group of veterans who, um, I try, I try to be it's a, a class of veteran where it's like, I just want to look at them and be like, we do not have the market cornered on trauma. Okay. We do not have the market cornered on on post-traumatic stress. We do not have the market cornered on pain. Okay. I hate, I truly, I I hate that on some levels, the, the veteran story and our pain is so on front street because it drove the news cycle for 15 years, right? That, that people coming back broken and wounded and ways that Americans either in a very real, honest and authentic way chose to show their support by donating to charities and, uh, you know, and all these things and buying veteran stuff or to do it to either assuage their guilt or if they were a corporation just to look good. Right. You know, those are all three of those things have absolutely happened in this space. And that can also be something as you're processing your stuff and people are in your face and they want to like give you or, 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 or things like that, like. I understand that that has got to be an extra layer of stress that I never had to experience because I wasn't one of the, I don't have purple heart or anything. Like I did my thing and, you know, got out, but we don't have the market cornered on that. And, you know, it's one of those things like, this is when I tell business, like, cause like, this is what holds you back. If you're a vet, this, these are the things that like get you tripped up where it's like, you think you're awesome and you think you're special and you think that someone, you know, and, but then at the same time, you're frustrated because people don't understand you. Right. And you can't get that job that you want. And you think that you're more qualified and it's like, you don't want to do the work, you know, that's sometimes required. And it is work. It's a lot, it's a lot of work sometimes to, to get through that. And then it's, you know, and then it turns into this, like, well, if you'd lived in my shoes, it's like, man, everybody is struggling with something. I mean, I'm just everybody. And some of it's really obvious and some of it isn't. And that empathy and that understanding is going to get you so much farther than the demand. Again, you know, that having that growth mindset of how do we learn from each other as opposed to we'll come over and meet you. Again, over 99% of the American population is not served in the past 20 years. Like how, how, I mean, you and I are, are vets, like we, we vibe on the same thing, but you know, you know, if I, I just, I shaved my beard just for a, for a skit for the movement. You, I used to have the same beard you do. You and I walk around and I put on my Oakley's and you know, you've got, you know, you've got your, uh, you know, your lion guy t-shirt on and I'm, you know, I'm rocking one with a Vietnam vet with a surfboard and we're just walking down the street. Like we're going to get some books. We're going to get some weirdo. Right. And it's on us to be like, nah, man, we're cool. Right. Because that person already has something in their head yeah. and it's not going to change unless we try and change the conversation. And it's only going to be reinforced if we act like idiots. And and that's, that's the thing, man. Like I just, I, we, you know, and that's, and that's where vets have to get better sort of as a, as a, as their own little tribe. And that's why I love those three books so hard, because at the end of the day, if you learn the lessons from them, it's yes, we are special. It's, it's, it's a great quote from Les Brown, right? He says the used to bees don't make no honey, right? Yeah. So when you transition into the civilian world, you got to know, like you can't keep living your glory days. And, and I've seen this, this isn't, isn't just vets. Like I hear guys yeah. talk about this where I went to college and what I did to college and, and, and like the, where I used to do and what I used to this and what I used to that. And I, 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 once, once I heard that quote, I would drop it all the time and say, Hey man, 
used to be is don't make no honey. Like, yep. what are you doing now? Like, right. what are you, what value are, are you going to take from that? Because mm-hmm. I don't want to dishonor that. Like I, like this yeah. whole conversation is about the veteran advantage and there's a lot. Yep. Hey, that's great, man. You were a Marine. You're a Ranger. Cool. You're here now. Right. What are we doing now? Right. You know, we, we're not reliving the glory days, right? Like, you know, and that's, I think to your point, like know the value that you can bring. Don't, don't relive your glory days and have to remind everyone that, that you served right. or whatever. And, and, and look, I say, I say, yes, be a, be a prideful veteran. Yes. We, as society, we, we owe you a debt, you know, from the perspective of you did volunteer, you did sign that contract and all mm-hmm. that stuff. So you, you did that. Yes. But don't, don't relive it. It's, it's not, you know, what you think that someone owes you something it goes back to the entitlement thing. Like, you know, at right. the end of the day, you served, right. You, and you, and, and you got a lot out of it. There's so much yes. opportunity there. That's what I tell young folks to go in. I say, Hey, there's so much there. There's so much opportunity there for you. Mm-hmm. Don't blow it. Right. Yeah. Like the rules are more strict. UCMJ, like you are sacrificing your own freedoms for the protection of our, yes. of ours, let's say, so don't go screw it up. Just as much opportunity there is there, there's so much more opportunity to make your life hell if yep. you don't check in and take advantage of the opportunities before you. The yep. best thing you can do is get on those yellow footprints or whatever and start being ready to change your life for the better and take advantage of every single thing they put in front of you yep. because that's what's going to serve you. you yeah. Know? Um, yeah. I mean – well, and I mean, but the thing is, is that the veterans don't have the market cornered on, like you said, like, you know, everyone, some people live in their glories and stuff. And like the thing that I, I say to anybody, just anyone I'm talking to when it comes to business, there has never been more knowledge out there in the world, right? Don't, when you, especially when you start your career, when you, when you've got your foothold or you sort of got your beachhead and you're ready to go, like, man, I, you know, I, I did some game theory in college and I always loved it. I wanted to improve it. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take a game theory course. So I go to Coursera and I look up game theory courses and one of the top economists in the world happens to be a professor at Stanford and he is on this game theory course for free. The, 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 you know, some of the hardest one institution, you know, one of the most prestigious institutions in the world, one of the prestigious people teaching it in the world. And all I got to do is click a button and hit play and I will learn 201 level game theory. Like don't the, the excuse of, I don't have the knowledge that was that sometimes like, you know, I don't have access to the knowledge. This is why I need a degree. That was probably true on some levels 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Certainly it's not now you, you can find it. You want, you put a little bit of investment. Now, are you going to have this piece of paper? No. Are you gonna have the knowledge? Yes. Are you, can you tailor, you know, veteran or not apply that, that work ethic and that competitive advantage of, I will not quit. I will drive on. I will complete this, that growth mindset that we're talking about. Pair it to that knowledge that you already have demonstrated that growth mindset by going out and seeking doors open for people like that. Uh, And when they look back in time and they're trying to figure out how they got from A to the Z where they finally got the job, it's always a wild ride. It's always a weird story. And I always love hearing them. But I'll tell you what, in my experience, I have never, and I don't like big words like that, but I'm going to use it here because I think it's perfect. I have never heard someone who applies the willingness to assimilate and get knowledge and work really hard to attain it. And work with that growth mindset to apply it, to have the drive, to have the motivation, even if they don't necessarily have a, a, a specific piece of paper and not succeed on some levels. I'm not saying they turn into Bill Gates, but I am saying that they do succeed. I am saying that they they go from, you know, one spot here and they end up here, you know, 
And that's at the end of it, that's what it is. And it's, you know, like this is, you know, with, with Lions Guy being a, a podcast about leadership and, and business, it's like, are you finding, are you encouraging that in your people? Are you giving them the space to do that? Or do you just want them to punch clocks? And do you just want them to hit play? And do you just want, you know, because to get people to do that means that you have to allow them to take chances. And when you take chances, someone's going to fail sometimes. And then you're going to have to walk some things yeah. back. It's like, but are you willing to accept this very moderate risk if you do it right for a tremendous opportunity? Are you willing to think outside that, oh, do they have this piece of paper box as opposed to can they demonstrate that they have these skills and find that that hard charging person? Because when that person meets, when that opportunity meets that person, just like I believe that most veterans and that's where sort of our competitive, you know, competitive advantage, in my opinion, of that growth mindset, hardworking you know, an adaptable meat, you know, that's where I see. So I see a lot of veterans do that. Like that's where things just scale and vets don't have a, that market corner yeah. better in it. We have a higher percentage in it, but we're not cornered in it. And those are the people I'm always looking for. I had a, you know, I had someone come into my office a couple of days ago that's in another department and they were like, Hey, you know, I heard that something might be opening up a little bit under, you know, I'm like, well, there's been some internal discussions and, you know, I, I don't know if the, the position will be created, but it's been discussed and, they're like, well, um, would you consider me for it? And here's my background. And I'm like, well, I don't quite have it, but it's, it's on the roadmap. It's not an immediate thing. I'm like, here's the knowledge that you need to, to make yourself competitive. And are they going to follow through on that or not? I don't know. But I can tell you right now, if they do go do that coursework and they do show me those, um, you know, those certifications and they, and, and they do come back, if that position is created, I promise you they're at the absolute top of my list because they did yeah. the work. Because they, yeah. you know, they, you know, like they, they said, I'm in it, I'm, I'm here to work for it. And then they put it in. Who doesn't want that as a leader? Who, who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want that on? So, you, you know, using the buzzword, you know, the US are the go to war team, right? Like, yeah. that's the person you want. The, um, and I think like that's the point, like it, that I wanted to make sure we touched on today was, you know, even though a lot of this conversation has been about, the veteran advantage, like all these qualities, uh, that, that I would say are common, you know, it's not mm-hmm. always the case, you know, certainly. And just like, you know, just like there's bad doctors, bad cops, and there's, right. there's bad vets too. Like, so yep. like at the end of the day, you know, we all put our pants on one leg at a time. We're still people. Um, but the, the veteran advantage, you know, as you know, we've holistically described it today or a lot that, you know, the, the accountability, the discipline, the leadership, the training, the, the drive, like all those things. But at the same time, you know, this show is about high performance. And one of the things that, that I hit people with is because people will take that and label me sometimes and go, oh, because you're a Marine dot, dot, dot. And I go, no. And, and I wanted to make sure this point's clear on the show today. It's like, look, everything that we've described and I like how you're saying is, is not veteran specific, like they're decision specific. They're, they're, you know, it's, I have what I have, you know, not because I was a Marine. It's because the decisions I've made throughout my lifetime. And one of them happens to have been to join the Marine Corps. Right. But mm-hmm. since then, and, and, and during then and whatever, like what you see is a culmination of all the decisions I've made. Right. And by the way, there's nothing special about me. So don't, don't label me like a vet. So because you're a vet, you've got now, man, like, you know, it's everything that we described, the leadership, the discipline, the the ego, like all these things, like they're universal, right? Mm -hmm. Like they're universal. 
Well, and I, I think that what's you always make choices and the, and you always make decisions. And I, this will say if a veteran chooses to make the decision to embrace their competitive advantages from that job and from that moment in their life and apply them to their next role, to their next opportunity tonight, they will be successful. I, I stand on that. Um, but you know, we're talking about choices and everything. Like I'll, the, the things that I have learned in the past, you know, three or four, you know, past three to five years have been not, have been all the things on some levels, if you want to get really deep into is unlearning some of the mentality that I had in the military. Um, it's a, it's a double-edged sword. Like, you know, I was at Ranger Up. Um, Nick, who is still a CEO there, um, who is still a good friend of mine. As a matter of fact, he's got a media company called Diesel Jack Media um, doing like, you know, ads and like all, like he's just, it's phenomenal. If you need like ad and marketing work, um, they're insane. And he's, he's doing that. We're still good friends. He actually did all that, the ad group for the book, The 20 Year War that we're working on. Um, we're still good friends. But you know, in 2015, we started having very adult disagreements on how to run the business. And I, and, you know, ultimately the decision was, you know, we, we got to is that it was time for me to move on from the company that sucked. You know, that was painful. That hurt, you know, and, and again, we're good. And, and Tim and I are, you know, Tim's actually in our book, Tim Kennedy, who was another partner, um, former UFC fighter, Green Beret, Mr. Insano. And he is, um, <laughs> like I, that dude's awesome, but he is just, he is everything you see in his social media and more, um, you know, but like, like, so like there's that separation like that hurt. And then inside of the year, my now ex-wife left and those are not veteran specific things, right? Those are, you know, totally universal. Like, and suddenly I am absolutely flat on my back, Dale. Like I am like where I thought I was and I'm going like, and like dude, I'm just like flat on my back looking up going, you know, and then that security job I had that I was like already uncomfortable with and really having a hard time. I got fired from for, you know, just things that that there was some there was some politics involved. And then I really got angry, right? And I'm like, so now this is none of this has anything to do with my veteran experience. This is just life, right? This is just how do I, you know, how do I overcome it? And it was like, and the lessons that I had to learn for that was like sort of the like we we're talking about is like realizing that sometimes the best thing you can do is the battlefield pause that I'm not actually in a life or death thing right now. I can take us take a breath because that was so hard for me, especially at Ranger Up. It was like, no, 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 we've got to every single day. Like what, what got me into that truck, right, got me in trouble and caused a lot of friction with some of my employees because I did not recognize that I'm at a 10 and they're at an eight. And you want to know what an eight, generally speaking, is pretty, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, maybe I need yeah, to they're, they're, they're pushing it. Yeah. But I certainly need to come down to them on some levels. And I, you know, if I want them to elevate for something, it is certainly not going from that already high eight to it's like 10, like, you know, I was, they were never, you know, that, that six, like, you know, my buddy who really needed to incrementally elevate, you know? So it's like, Oh, great. What am I going to do? Where am I going to go? And for me, I just, my life gave me the opportunity because there were, you know, Ranger up, um, ultimately, uh, sold, um, to a, to a, to a farm. Um, Nick still retains some, some, you know, still the CEO still has an ownership stake. Tim has a little bit too, but you know, we sold a substantial portion of it and I exited and I decided that I was going to take a break. I got lucky. So I grabbed a 40 liter backpack, just a backpack and went all the way around the world for five months. And the lessons that I ended up learning there were on some levels, unlearning certain facets of who I was, uh, who I'd sort of become, um, that sort of started with my military thing. One, patience. Two, way, way more empathy. 
Um, when you're in a country that doesn't, that you don't speak the language that they don't speak yours and you're pointy talking your way through how to get somewhere, um, you're in there. You, you understand really acutely. You are the foreigner. (laughs) (laughs) You are the person that doesn't belong. And it is on you to be as polite and as patient and as kind and as understanding because this person's investing in trying to help you. Right. Mm -hmm. It is. It is not on them. They could keep walking down the street and not care a fig for you in Myanmar. And I was in Mandalay, Myanmar for the thing I'm thinking about. Like, I'm just the white dude, right? I'm the foreigner and I look like the foreigner. I mean, I'm five foot six and I'm a tall guy. Okay. That's a really weird thing, by the way. Like, you know, dude's five, two, five, three. And you're like, how did I become kind of almost tall, right? You know, and like in those, you know, so it was learning some of that. It was having that appreciation. It was having sort of re-reminding myself that growth mindsets are to continuously improve and to not get stagnant, to not, because I did, like I, I bought into this, you know, I'm, I'm this person and this person is, is great. And, you know, and then it's like re-established, no, that's, there's kind of a castle mentality. There's kind of a, you know, well, I've done X and that's cool. And like, we can just sort of, no, no, like. You've always got to be pushing yourself to improve. That doesn't mean making more money, in my opinion. That doesn't mean getting a a promotion or, you know, like you set your goals and and go work and drive to attain them. That's the important thing. But also, and this is what I was reminded of, is know why you have the goal, right? Why is that a goal? Why is that important? You know, look, if you want, if your goal is to make a whole bunch of money and and make sure that your your family and your kids and your grandkids and your great grandkids are financially secure for for all of their lives, go for it. If if your goal is to um, have a really good work-life balance and your 40 hours a week is a hard day's work for a hard day's pay, as cliche as that is to some people, but you get to go home to your family and you really devote, you're devoted and you invest and you know, that's where you want to put your time effort, go for it, man. Like I am not here to tell someone how to live their life. But no, but have a goal and know why. Because if you don't, you are going to stagnate. And if you stagnate, you're going to want to start castling and you're going to lose that, that growth mentality and that growth mindset. And when you lose that, you're not just going to suffer as a leader. You're not just going to suffer in business. You're going to suffer spiritually. Like how, you know, and, and I say that very in tune, like how you deal with yourself and how, like, I got so lost with some of that. And like, I had to take sort of the radical step to leave literally and, you know, literally be in a new place every three or four days to remind myself of that, you know, and part of it was the challenge of just getting around of just, you know, like being in these hostels and meeting these new people and, and challenging my ideals in life. Like I'm kind of a radical person to begin with. And that was sort of the radical shakeup that I needed, right. Um, to re-remind me of some of these basic lessons and, you know, that, there are different ways to do things There's different tactics and techniques. And one is not better usually than the other. Right. And, uh, you know, it was, you've got, again, you've got to have that tangible goal. Cause if you don't, you are really asking for it. Yeah. I mean, the, the three core values of lines guide just from my life philosophy is, is courage, clarity, and leadership. And we've, we've not said that word yet, but we've talked a lot about it, even back to getting prepared to go in, you know, to service and all that, but mm-hmm. the clarity, like yeah. having clarity of, of your desired goal, right? Yes. That's leadership, but having clarity, um, is key, man. Like you've yeah. got to know where you're trying to go because you know, it's, it's, it's just, again, it's, it's just key. And you describe it like, you're like, Hey man, I got to get, get clear on what mm-hmm. you want. And, and, what you want is okay. There's no right answer. <laughs> like right. 
but there's a big wrong one, which is yep. not knowing what you want and not oh, knowing yeah. where you want to go. I mean, that that is suffering. You know, yes. that's that. There's a lot of suffering there. Mental, it's mentally tormenting. Um, so, and and I tell people, you know, if you're not clear on where you want to go, start with where you don't want to go mm-hmm. and run right. in the opposite direction, right? Like say, right. I, I don't want this, this, and this. Hey, that's great. That's great. You don't know where you want to go. You know, you don't want to go there. So just turn around and start going the opposite way. What does that look like? Right. Um, and, and, and that's why, that's why I just adopted clarity as a core value because it's so critical. It's so critical. Well, you know, it's, it's funny because so in my, in my office, I have a dry erase board, right? Like I'm typing at my computer and I look up and I have dry erase board right there. And what I do with that is I put my mottos, I put my like life lessons. Um, and the first one is it's the simplest form of the idea because I shamelessly steal everything I know about marketing and process improvement and everything from Christopher, Christopher Nolan movies. Um, it's like, I keep doing the tenant like all the time when I'm talking about sales and marketing integration, it's become a joke at work. Um, and no, that's what Eames says in inception. It's the simplest form of the idea. The second thing is, um, I always call it the Ranger proverb, the Marines in my, um, organization say it should just be the military proverb, but it's my whiteboard, but it's slow as smooth and smooth as fast. Um, you know, and then, um, you know, it, there's, there's another one that we have, this as, an, as a company thing. It's why are you here? Right. Sort of that clarity. Um, and then the final one is, this is, this is from, a um, sarcastic me to whiny me and it's good talk. Uh, no one cares. Right. Because, when you when you start when you start thinking about all of it, you know if, if it's if it's courage, clarity, and leadership, you know like the self leadership has got to be the mastery of the the soldier or marine's right to gripe is never denied. So have your moment, and I tell people all the time like you can come in, you can close my door, and you can let it fly, man. Like it is as safe a space as possible with the one provisio of when it's out of your system, when you vented your spleen, you better have a working. You better have some sort of solution better have some sort of idea how to make this better, right? Like you better have that, like we're talking about clarity, you better have at least some idea, even if it's not totally clear of how we're going to solve this, like vent it and go. And I, I think that uh, that's another thing I think I've learned over my life is that sometimes to find clarity, you just need to like unload or like push, you know, vomit out, whatever the, the garbage, the things that are caught and just be able to say like, I'm frustrated, right? I get more clarity when I just, I'm frustrated. And I'm angry and I'm disappointed. And I am, you know, even if I just rip those things off and I go, okay, I've acknowledged that I've, I'm, I'm, I'm clear on how I feel. I am clear on, I have a problem and I'm clear that I, like you said, either this could be the solution or this can't be the solution, right? The guardrails. And now I'm going to live inside that and start moving forward. And I think that that's one of the fascinating things about clarity. Clarity, some people think it's like a diamond or something like, oh, I've had this eureka epiphany. Sometimes clarity is just acknowledging how you feel and giving sure, yourself yeah. the space to say, okay, had it, processed it, time to go. You know, And at least for me, I have to remind myself that that is an internal thing. That's why no one cares. I care because it's yeah. right. But my boss doesn't care. My, you know, the people I work with don't care. Um, unless I do the wrong thing and start negatively affecting them. And so it's, it's having that, you know, that understanding that, that situational awareness and and moving forward. And, you know, but I do think that that's a very misunderstood thing at times in leadership is like, Oh, you know, and, and, and also I think that's where, you know, the term, I think it's way overused, but that concept of toxic masculinity, I always think it's like toxic machismo. 
to me, I've always been way more comfortable. Like, because machismo is pretty toxic, right? Like, when I start doing this King Kong thing or whatever, it's like yeah. anyone who's actually been there before, like, I'm loud, I'm boisterous, I'm really verbose. So if you're louder than me, if you if you if you've usurped me as the loudest guy in the room, um, sorry, my guy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like. <laughs> I, I'm not saying I haven't met a couple of them. I am saying that it's like, why, why are you, but why, you know? Right. Right. So what's uh? tell me about, tell us about the book. What's, what is it? You know, how did the yeah. idea come about? So, um, so I mentioned Dan Blakely and I were both in the second Ranger battalion at different times. Um, it's, it's really funny that a lot of like the team leaders and squad leaders, when he arrived as a private were my peers. Um, but he got out. And he joined the North Carolina National Guard. Similar to me, he didn't want to get into the IRR and, you know, he was going to App State and we became instructors together. Um, sort of lost touch a little bit. And then we reconnected um, in November of last year. And I was really burnt out. I still, I really was very reticent to sort of go back into like veteran space and stuff like that from Ranger Up and just the political climate as it's changed in this vet bro culture that I'm just, I'm not about that life. Um, I'm about what we've been talking about. Right. And I love working with vets that way, but I, I don't need a, a, a fancy G whiz G whiz mode to make myself feel better the way that I thought I did before I've gotten a little older. And, uh, so Dan's like, Hey, um, I've got this project. And I uh, starts explaining the book. He explains that Bo Simmons, who's his childhood best friend and the third person in, in there has been this, amazing photographer since 21 Poe's got a great story of like he was working in fashion and he was usher's photographer for a little while like you know there's levels to the game right and people like oh i'm a photographer no no no. Bo only shoots on film like he's a little pretentious about it and i'd say that in the nicest way possible because like he's that much of an artist like it's just it's insane he's so good he's got 10 shots and somehow he just nails it um super talented amazing high-end photographer and so he's like we're doing this and i'm like okay well yeah like dude this actually sounds great this is awesome like you know, and I'm getting more and more excited. I'm like, what do you need? He's like, well, we don't, we, we don't have enough vets. Would you consider being in the book? And then would you consider like introducing your network? I'm like, oh, hell yeah, right? I get so excited. The first email that I send for him, I don't put a subject line on. It's just like, and of course, you know, my buddy Bill, who I sent it to at the National Veterans Memorial Museum is making more fun of me than, you know, it's like, but yeah, I got, yeah, I got you. It's all good. The next one I sent was actually to now General Retired Votel, who had been my, uh, commander when I work staff, it's like, Hey, sir, um, you know, would you be willing to to do this? And so starts getting momentum, starts getting everything. And, and, you know, I'm just pushing people his way. Dan called, you know, good networking, good, everything. And he calls me, Dan calls me like a couple weeks later, like, Hey, um, you're a really talented writer and we really need someone to write these stories. Would you do it? I'm like, yeah, like, absolutely. And so we got into this insane cadence. So, I mean, first of all, I should back up. Like we started on this book in late, late December of 2020. If I had taken this pitch or this proposal to Simon and Schuster or or Random House, one of the big ones, they've been like, you want to do a book with initially we're going to do 70. We ended up with 71, 70 veterans all across the country, portraits, stories, everything. And you wanted to release by 9-11. And we'd be like, yes, get out. (laughs) <laughs> like we're not, you know, but again, like, and, and so this project is just a lot of things we've been talking about, about we're not going to quit. We are, you know, that we're going to go after it, that grit, that determination, that um, growth mindset, like we just applied it. And so 
Um, Bo is out on the road taking these pictures and recording the audio files of the veterans. He's sending them to me. I'm going back and forth on sort of a consultant schedule between Chicago and Omaha, which is where I'm, you know, I'm now in Omaha. That's where I live now. Um, like listening to these files and, and typing them up and sending them to our editor and, fit and just every, you know, every night, two or three store, you know, he'd get two or three photos to, and just grinding, just grinding, just grinding, just grinding. Um, it was incredible. You, you know, like the, the shirt that I'm wearing right now is actually from one of the guys in the books company, Live American Yogi, Phil Sussman, um, just had that on. And um, it's all the, the story is really simple. It's um, who they are and what inspired them to enlist a brief, brief sketch of their service, um, what their transition was like and what they're doing now. And the power in it is one, the photo of seeing what these veterans look like now, you know, at various levels of the 20 years of the GWAT, but also there's so much in the story of we we think that like veterans because we're so such a small community or you see so much that like we're all similar. Like everyone's got a different story in this book. I mean, there's some similarities, there's some things that are pretty close, but everyone's story is radically different. Um, everyone generally gets to sort of the same spot, if they will, um, you know, like where they sort of found their peace for the most part and what they're doing now and how they're they're happy and but like how they got there and what happened was different. But they all. The, the, the three lines are kind of what we talked about is that growth mindset, that determination is, is really embracing the power of, of that work ethic. Um, a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, I mean, I'm wearing, I'm wearing a fellow entrepreneurs, you know, t-shirt right now. Um, you know, a lot of just dedication, a lot of really like caring and wanting to make an impact on their community, which to me was just awesome. And it was so, the, the stories are so inspiring. The pictures are voted just such an amazing job that, you know, when we were putting it together, we were just like, dude, this is crazy, but it's just really that story of this is who a veteran is, right? Not Captain America, not a ticking time bomb, you know, and some guys talk about, you know, trying to kill themselves. So, you know, in the book, you know, there's some people that, you know, one person got chaptered out um, because of a drug addiction from the unit, right? Medic in the unit, like the best of the best. And, and, and you're leaving because you had an opioid addiction. Um, and sort of like the, the process of going back through that and being more integrated in the community and, 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 and sort of processing that guilt and those things like that. Like those, that's in there. There's stories of, you know, finding themselves, you know, we've got one that she uh, got her MBA from Wharton, went to West Point, is still a McKinsey um, consultant, climbed Mount Everest, has a Guinness Book of World Record run record. She lives out of her van traveling all around the U.S., because that's like how she finds her peace and is, is finding her bliss and learning how to like process her stuff. Right. One of the, one of the flat out hands on smartest and most driven and determined people you will ever meet in your life. I mean, Sophie is just oh. so impressive. Um, it's like, you're like, what, why, why are we talking? Right. Um, like you could do anything. And she's still like, this is what I need. You know, you know, her, her story for me affected me a lot. Cause I, it was the one where I had to sort of, get with her more and be like, I had my trip around the world was something very similar to what you're doing right now. And so I need to make sure that this is your story and your voice and I'm not bleeding into it. So that was sure, like, for yeah, me, that yeah. was the most, probably the most challenging story to write just because there's enough parallels that I wanted it to be authentically her. Um, you know, it's like, you know, have that. And then you have some people that like, man, their transitions seemed really easy. I mean, genuinely like their voice is happy and like, the, you know, and they're like, man, I'm like, we're, we're just ready to go. Some people, you know, some people it was rough and, 
you, you get a really sense of who the men and women are that have fought to defend this country for the past 20 years. No hype, no, um, you know, no, no real drama, but just the, and also the lessons that they've learned. And there's, you know, I, I was really glad when we were talking about like the veteran advantage and that's what we want to talk about. And, and one of the things and like, yeah, I'm here to, you know, yeah, this is where I plugged the book 20 year you know, of course, but I can say that the thing I love the most about this project was so rewarding and beneficial for me as a leader. It was, it was a reminder of what happens when those competitive advantages that we have talked about, which again, are not unique to veterans. We just have them built in, in a more structured way and a way that's easier for us to sort of ex- access in our mind when they are applied, how far someone can go, how high they can go, where, you know, we've got C-level executives. We've got, I mean, the world, if you apply this is your oyster. It really is. If you have that grit, that determination, if you can work in a team, if you are willing to grind, if you have that clarity of purpose and know how to get to the mission, that's, that's the story in this. It's, it's what I, I say so often to veterans. It's like, again, going back to that greatest generation thing. It's like, if, if we work together and if we set the example for others to follow, because that's ultimately what a leader does, right? A leader sets an example, a leader sets a tone and gets people to follow them. Um, you know, one of the lines in the afterword that we put in the book that was really intentional was above all comma, a veteran is trained to be a leader and anyone can be one, anyone can embrace that, but you want some wisdom and some knowledge from some people far, far smarter and far, far more accomplished than me. Like that's what I soaked up from it. Like this, this book could sell not a single unit passed and I will forever be grateful for it because all the lessons that I learned and all of the seeing the similarities and differences and experiences and journeys. And I mean, like, like I know I'm like getting emotional and like I'm getting excited, but it's like, there's so much power to it and it's, but there's no hype. There's no, there's none of that. It's like, this is just who these people are. You know, even honestly, like Tim Kennedy agreed to be in the book and he's probably the most famous person that we have. And Tim's all over and Tim's got multiple businesses. And it's like, and I, and I have known Tim Kennedy since 2008 right? Like this is someone, he was in my wedding, right? And I'm listening to this audio and I immediately called Dan. And I'm like, can we use this? It's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, these are like the behind closed doors. Some of this is like, we don't, you know, like, and a couple, you know, and, and it was like, cause it was authentic. It was like, he's talking about some really personal failures and some really like, and people who knew Tim knew that, like, you know, but he also has, you know, there's a public expectation of this person, right? And, you know, everyone has a public persona. I know we, we both do a little bit. You just have to, it's, it's, it's a, it's, there's a level of probably like, he's just raw. And I'm like, can, you know, and then, you know, and like, so Dan and I talked to, you know, I'm like, like, yeah, we can, we can do this. And that's, that's just in every single time, that's what these men and women were doing. And I don't know what, I truly, Dale don't know what inspired it in them. I think that they knew we were just trying to tell the real story and we weren't here to, um, you know, add to the hype machine. We just wanted to be able to show that. And I, and I think that they believed us and they trusted us and they gave us that access, but that's what we got. And it's, dude, it's incredible. It really is. Well, I I love it because in that, and, and, honestly it just reminded me like why I do this now, the podcast, like this isn't how I make my money. I do this because I want to have authentic conversations about what's real. Like mm-hmm. there's so much fluff out there, man. And, and people 
like they judge themselves, you know, yeah. it's like they're, they're seeing all this fluff out there and they judge themselves, uh, harshly and wrongfully against that fluff and this, yeah. this made up standard and all these things. And I just want to be real about what performance looks like, what success yeah. looks like. And the, the, the struggles are real and the failures are real. You just don't hear about them. And oh, yeah. I want to talk more about them because those are the best things, right? We see the results mm -hmm. of the lessons learned from those failures and experiences. But, um, you know, I think a lot of people beat themselves up uh, and, and they just don't know uh, that, that their struggles have been had before, mm -hmm. are had by others. And it's right. good to know that so you don't feel so lonely, you know, in right. trying to be a high performer, trying to accomplish your goals and you're, you're struggling, you're running up, running up these hills, running these walls and you're going, this must be me, right? Right. No, obviously he didn't have these problems. Like, no, yeah, he had those same yeah. problems and he did it too. Oh, and so yeah. can you, you know? And, you know, it's, I have such a love-hate relationship, way more hate at this point um, with social media, especially at Ranger Up being some of the pioneers in using it to transmit messages and make money and, you know, all that, like that we were, you know, part of it is because, you know, Nick went there, but Fuqua, the Duke's MBA has done case, a case study on veteran lifestyle stuff. And the, the Ranger Up workout video that Nick and I did is arguably the first piece of like veteran lifestyle content, like the first sort of like influencer piece, which is a weird thing to say, but you know, you, they, if you want to study this stuff, you can sort of say that. And that was just us being goofy and being like, well, Ranger panties, AKA silkies are hilarious. And so we're just going <laughs> to screw off. Right. Like it was just, it was meant to be like, if you get the joke, you get the joke. If you don't, well, we don't care. We're, we're doing it for our community. Like I'm falling down the hill and the fake parachute landing fall and stuff. And it's like, it started off as fun, you know? And then as it's evolved and as it's gotten like so corporate and so, I mean, not even corporate, but so stylized and so, you know, this thing, like it's not real anymore, or if it it's, or if it is, it's only this tiny little slice of it. And I like, I've, I've told people, I'm like, man, like when influencers, like, you know, one of those little tricks, like if you're going to take a photo or like a selfie, it's like you jut your chin out like that, because even though I'm, 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 I'm in, I'm in really good shape. Like if I go like this, you can see like just the natural, like, you know, this is normal. This is normal human, but you see this and people make fun of it. And it's like, so pick your chin up and you stick it out here. And, and especially if you cock your head a little bit, you get, you know, like, and suddenly like I look right now, like 10 pounds lighter. I, I'm 162 pounds, man. Like I'm, there's nothing wrong with, with, you know, I'm in shape. I can still go out and run the Ranger standard on a five mile. Like, like, you know, I'm, I'm committed to it, but this is the stuff people do. Right. You know, and then like with the, with the filters and the, you know, all the, all the other stuff. And suddenly it's like, and you see this bleeding over uh, this, this sort of false and phony and fake where it was like, you know, when I was out back on the dating and it's like, you see, if you go on Tinder now, guys and girls, this is not a gender specific thing are using those filters to make themselves look better. Like they are so, they're so ingrained in this concept of this impossible concept of not even perfection of just idealization that's yeah. evolved that they can't, they can't even be authentic enough to say, Hey, this is me. Right. Like, you know, my, it's funny. I mean, I of course took it the other way. Like my first thing said, you know, bald, bearded, short, five foot six. Are you still reading? And then like, I was like, okay, this is who I am. Like, let's just cut the noise out. But like, this is, but, it, but, and that's, and that's one of those things. And it's like, I think that we as a society are actually really craving authenticity. I, I really think that, and I think that there is such, 
I don't want to say opportunity because I, I just, that feels like it's a loaded term, but it's the only one I'm coming up with right now for leaders to step authentic leaders to step into that void, whether it's in their business, whether it's in their community, whether it's, um, you know, in their, in, in these, you know, their church or their, you know, whatever and say, well, this is, this is, let's be real. Let's have a growth mindset. Let's, let's come together. Let's work as a team rather than try and do all of perpetuate all this influencer behavior and things like that. And I, I think that there is so much power in that. And one of the reasons that I go back to, and I tell veterans all the time is that you had to do these things in the military. You had to, to succeed. You had to literally at times to survive. So take those competitive advantages and go apply that growth mindset to make something better. You know, Vince Vargas, uh, AKA Rocco, who's on Mayans, um, MC as an actor and with someone else that's in the book, he's got a company and it's called Veteran, you know, better veteran. And it's like, our goal here is to continue to foster the community where we all are better, where we improve, where we go. And that is, if everyone applied that message, forget veterans, just if every leader said, we're going to try and make everything going back that 1% better a day, it's not much, but it's, it's where, it's where things go. It's where, it's where we as people can do the right thing. And that was what really got me excited about the book was to show that authenticity. And when you start at authenticity, you're already a little better because you're not playing that game of, well, you know, how far do I have to jump my chin out to make it look like I got neck muscles, man. Right. Or who are you really? Right. The game of yeah. like, okay, who are you really? Let's, right. let's, let's play that game. Yeah. Yep. All, all my, all my faults, right, wrong or indifferent, they're right here. And I think that, you know, all my, all my positives are too. And, and let's go. And uh, I just think that's so inspiring. Yeah, man. I love it, man. I love it. And I, I love that of the book, right? I think that the authenticity piece and those, like, let's get people back to being real again. Okay. It's been yep. a fun 10, 15 years or whatever it's been with right. social media and everyone trying to pretend there's something they're not, but let's get, bring it back home now. Like let's, 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 let's bring it back and, and uh, get real again. Well, honestly, we, you know, we, we did a, we did a pitch and stuff and I was like, well, why a book? I'm like, because it's old school. Cause you have to feel it, you know? Cause they're like, well, are you going to put it on Kindle? And it's like, you know, I mean, when you're not going to see the pictures as well, I mean, we could, but it's like, you've got to turn the page. You've got to invest a little bit to get the story, but it's worth, and it's a tiny investment. It's tiny, right? But it's worth it, but it's worth it. It's, you know, I think that one of the hallmarks about authenticity is you've got to seek it a little bit, right? Like you've got to, you've got to, you've got to have discernment. You've got to, you know, you've got to do those things. Again, to find clarity, you have to have discernment, right? And that's, that takes practice that requires effort. And I think that's really important. I really do. Yeah. Now I'm with you, man. So cool. Do, well, as far as the book's concerned, how can people help connect? What are we looking for on, in that so, regard? Um, the bet, if, if you're, if you're interested and you want to take a look 20 year that's the website, just right. You know, it's all spelled out. Um, and then, you, you know, you can see a couple of sample stories. You can see some of the pictures it's available for pre-order right now. Um, the pre-orders will release, uh, will start shipping out sometime in the next week and a half or so actually. Um, the official release date is nine, seven. So, um, it will be coming, it will be coming soon. Um, 
And then if you want to, you know, that's the best place to find the book. Uh, if you want to follow us as an organization, weareunitedvalor.com is sort of the parent company that Dan Bo and I put together. Um, we've got some more veteran stories there in longer format. We're going to start putting out some, you know, the typical thought pieces and the, you know, not quite doing what the Lion Guide does directly to leadership, but more how veterans can positively impact the their community and the world and try and, um, you know, create that. And then the other thing I would say too, is that, um, you know, again, my name's Tom Amenta. Look me up um, on any social media platform, Twitter, uh, Facebook, or Instagram, if you want to connect and you've got like the next great idea, like the other thing that we're all really passionate and really committed to. And, you know, I know you saw this through Mike and I is finding those authentic people and finding those authentic stories and telling the world in order to get that continuous improvement and to, to give that, um, sort of clarity and, and hopefully get a whole bunch of really smart leaders together and just continue to move the ball forward. Yeah, man. I love it. And, and for those who are wondering, it wasn't a uh, sound effects, me dropping meows in the podcast. Yeah, no, there's a cat yeah, there's, there's cat. So, <laughs> so awesome, man, dude, Tom, it's been an honor to have you on, man. I appreciate it. And people, this is going to serve people. It's going to serve yeah. people that need to hear it, man. So thank you. Thank you very much. All right, dude. I appreciate it so much. Dale. Thank you for the time. Yeah. Thank you. All right, buddy.